I'm Amanda, and this is Not Your Granny's Quilt Show. Today, we've got the Badass Quilter. A safe, supportive, and welcoming community for politically liberal quilters has been Maddie Curte's goal for 10 years and counting. Maddie Curte is an award-winning quilter and the founder and CEO of the Badass Quilter Society and believes that dedicated community is far more important than a perfect quarter-inch seam or specific quilting style. Badass Quilter Society specifically serves and supports politically liberal quilters with community, content, and commentary on the state of today's quilting culture. Maddie is a longtime community builder, having built her state's first fully inclusive and LGBTQIA affirming homeschooling group to support her family and other progressive families like it when there was not a place for her family to gather with others of a like mind at the time. Maddie is the mother to six children ranging in ages from 33 to 22 and grandmother to one, and she makes her home in Chattanooga, Tennessee in an old house she's restoring with her husband and way too many animals, including a rotating cast of neonatal kittens for which she is a professional foster and advocate for the most medically fragile of them year round. Maddie is a fierce advocate for the LGBTQIA community of which she is a part. When not caring for kittens, slinging a hammer or out in her garden, you can find her writing on her blog to further the evolution of the larger quilting community to become a more welcoming and diverse place. Somewhere in there, she sneaks in time for her passion of art quilting and on occasion, sewing some clothing. Let's jump in with Maddie. Thank you so much for joining me today, Maddie. I have been obsessing over your stuff. I mean, it's the moment I saw, I think it was one of your stickers probably, but I was like, oh, my spirit child. Like, this is fantastic because I think I told you my friends have given me the moniker, like the cussy crafter because it doesn't matter what we're doing if we're painting if we're puzzling if we're sewing I am cussing so yeah uh, I, I get it both my husband and I work from home and what we say about working from home is it's it's one or the other of us cursing from one side of the house to the other whether it's like yeah. over a dog or because all dogs they want to be the minute I'm in here like so I I said you know if I if I've ever found dead with a head injury in here it's going to be one of the dog's faults because I'll be like I'll turn around and I'll like step on one or I'll you know I'm like I'm this is how I'm gonna meet my maker (laughs) Uh head injury and there's gonna be like one of the dogs nobody's gonna talk about it none of the dogs are gonna tell who did it but that's how it's gonna happen it is yeah that's how I feel about my cat she will just like bolt out from a corner around a corner and I'm like okay I've almost died about four times today because whether it's she'll zoom past me and like run down the stairs ahead of me yeah I've almost died probably 25,000 times so yeah we have there's actually a cat sitting right there there's one right behind mm-hmm. the cat eventually you'll probably see a tail bob past <laughs> on, on the screen and um she's she's more likely to come and like like she gets angry at me if I don't put enough attention to her so, mm. so I have lots of staff lots of staff <laughs> so helpful I'm sure so helpful that's so funny yeah well tell me all the things I just I there's so many things I want to cover but let's start with sewing and quilting like how did you were you sewing things first were you quilting first like oh, how definitely you- sewing first I've been sewing since I was about nine 
and um, I sewed all, I sewed kind of intermittently through my teenage years and um, made extra money by, I, I babysat a lot, but I would like repair stuff for people. Um, mm. So I made, I made some really nice bank um, being able to repair stuff <laughs> and like hem jeans for people and stuff like that, because um, I had my mother's sewing machine because my mother sewed at some point when I was very, very tiny and then stopped. And oh. I've talked pretty openly about the fact that my mother was incredibly depressed and mm. she had a very hard row through motherhood. And so lots of things. And one of the things that she never did again was sewing. And one day I saw the sewing machine. It was in one of those like lovely old cabinets and it was mm -hmm. a really nice sewing machine. It was, it was a Bernina. Um, and that's where I, that was my first moment of becoming a Bernina girl. Um, yeah was the opening up um because I actually crawled under it and and because I was sitting on the floor and I looked up under it I was like there's a I'd never seen the sewing machine before oh. um and I asked her if I could open it up and look at it and she said sure but I'm not going to teach you and because mm -hmm. she was just not in a good place herself and sure. um, so I got out the book and I taught myself how to sew and then I had a neighbor who helped me learn some more and then I sewed and then I had my children I have six kids um, they are 33 to 22 years old. And, um, so, and then we have, we have a son in there. We lost when he was a baby. And, um, but so I sewed for all of them obsessively. Um, and, um, and that was in my first marriage. It was my first three kids. And, mm -hmm. um, we were like poor as church mice and mm -hmm. actually church mice probably were fancier than we were. Um, <laughs> Because oh, like, no. there's literally the time that there was nothing. I really wanted the kids to have um, Christmas pajamas and there was no mm -hmm. money. So like in like gone with the wind fashion, I took a flannel bed sheet and I made all of them. It was a king size flannel bed sheet. And I made all of them pajamas for Perfect. Christmas. And so there's a picture of them all her, the, the, my oldest daughter in like the little ruffly gown and the boys mm -hmm. in their little, you know, pajamas and stuff like that. And so I was just, I was really, a, I was uh, home deck, clothing, all that kind of stuff. Um, in fact, I never really thought of myself as a quilter because there's, there's always kind of this, you know, thing that's an old lady thing, right? you know, yeah. and, um, about 12 years ago, um, I got interested in making a quilt. I mean, I'd made like, you know, your rando baby blanket or something like that, but I never, I didn't yeah. think of myself as a quilter and, mm -hmm. Then we went through the time when our son died and I quit sewing. Mm -hmm. And um, because the last thing I'd made was his coming home from the hospital outfit and he didn't come home from the hospital. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just kind of I couldn't do it again. I walked when I after I was home, I couldn't. In fact, I packed all the sewing stuff up and put it away. I did mm -hmm. become an obsessive knitter in the meantime because <laughs> yeah. I'm like very ADHD. And so, and all of our kids were homeschooled. So I had to have something. Cause like when you're teaching the fourth and fifth kid to read, it is mind numbingly boring. Um, so I had to have something to do with my hands while they're yeah. reading through a book. I'm like, I mean, I cranked out a lot of sweaters um, during that time. <laughs> I was an obsessive knitter, but I didn't sew for about five years. And okay. um, then I decided I wanted to sew again. I got my machine out and I was like, you know, I think I want to get a new machine. And my husband was like, absolutely get a new machine. And I went and I bought a Bernina 830, um, which mm -hmm. was an absolutely mothership machine. Um, it was, you know, it's really big. In fact, it's still sitting way back there. It's sitting on my thing because I'm actually getting ready to sell it because I got a new Bernina a couple months ago. I got a 790. Ooh. and um which I really 790 plus I guess as but I which I really like as well because that one was getting a little older and yeah. um and I made a quilt 
and I really enjoyed it. And then I went and bought a long arm a month mm -hmm. later because, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Right. Why not? <laughs> I know. Cause I put, I made the quilt and I quilted it all on my eight 30. And then I was like, this is not very much fun putting a king size quilt through a domestic machine. <laughs> yeah. Not so much fun. And my place had a long arm and I went and I tried it. And um, and he was like, and I said, I'll buy it. And mm -hmm. and he was like, What? And I said, Was that the easiest sale you've ever made for a long arm? <laughs> and that's actually yeah. the long arm I still have right now, which is a handy quilter Avante. It's over there. Okay. Um, I'm actually getting ready to sell it um, because I am upgrading and getting a uh, Bernina long arm. Okay. Um, nice. Yeah. So, but I've loved my Avante. It has served me well um, mm -hmm. over the years. Um, in fact, so well that um, I became one of the handy quilter spokespeople for a while. Oh, wow. And I was blown up and put on the side of their building along with five other people. And we did lots of stuff and that was fun. Mm -hmm. Um, but it wasn't, it also wasn't a good fit because mm -hmm. that's the kind of, that's where things kind of switched. I actually had a kind of like, I had a blog at the time called the long arm virgin, which is, I just mm -hmm. took people along with learning the long arm because I sure. didn't, the place I bought my long arm from went out of business exactly two weeks after I bought my long arm. Okay, yes. That sounds legit. You know what? They just didn't tell anybody they were going to go out of business. And so, I mean. So I bought my See? long arm, plugged down the big dollars. And yeah. um, so I didn't get any support. Yeah. And um, it, it turned out right at the time, that's when Handy Coulter was having a contest and a different thing. And you wrote your story about it. And then they picked you and I got to be one of the people who was picked. And, mm -hmm. but I had to teach myself how to do it because the nearest, nearest next Handy Coulter dealer was like in Atlanta. Okay. And that just wasn't possible for me to go to on a regular basis because we still had kids home, homeschooling all the things right. right yeah so that's kind of where I started wow that's awesome yeah. I mean some heartbreak in there but like Absolutely. really cool that you were able to refuel yourself and and find your love for it again because I did and I did not know if that would come back I mean you know because I really didn't want and there was just one day where I was just like it didn't hurt so much to look see the sewing machine um mm -hmm. and so I was like okay you know, um, and I, I pulled it back out and, and refound my passion. And from there, I found um, the passion for really representing politically liberal folk within the quilting sphere, because pretty quickly, I found um, a lot of pushback in the quilting world. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was like, Hmm, that's weird, you know, but there was definitely bright lights out there. Cause like the first person I had on my blog, um, was my friend, Karen McTavish. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and she is a badass quilter if there ever was one. I mean, she is like, OG, and, mm -hmm. um, and she's amazing. And so there were people out there, but where I lived and in the sphere that when you start stepping out there, it, it can be difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know, experiencing that as well, like not wanting to be that, you know, not be that like white conservative. Like, I mean, I'm clearly a white girl, but there's like, no getting around that one. Yep. <laughs> right. Like, sorry, this is just yeah. what I look. Yeah. yeah just I mean, like not wanting to hold, uphold that ideal that like you have to be 
this conservative voice in the community because there's so many more people out there to be represented. They are. I mean, there are a lot of people. And then that's where when I by being vocal on my side, because there are and the truth of the matter is, is that I am very I don't like the word blessed. It's not a word for me, but I'm very lucky. I'm very mm -hmm. lucky. Um, I'm lucky that I have a husband that had a really great job, which meant that I could start a platform with and be really true to myself and not worry about the income as much mm -hmm. in that way. And then to really be able to say the things that I believed um, and that other people were telling me and reflect those back for people who were not quite as brave or quite as open or able to do those things. Um, mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I truly believe that, I mean, you know, the quote from Desmond Tutu is that if you um, are neutral in situations of injustice, you know, that you have chosen the side of the oppressor. And mm -hmm. I just don't want to be known as, I don't want to be remembered as that person. History is really clear. I mean, yeah. and there are tumultuous times, but when you stay quiet, you favor the oppressor and I'm just not, I can't, I can't do that. And so right. whether that means I blow my business, you know, to hell in a handbasket once, twice or three times, that's just going to have to be the way it's going to be. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think too, like, I kind of found myself in this rut of like, I was talking to some great people and, you know, getting good people on the show and people I do admire their work. But then I'm like, I censored myself so much because I'm like, I need to be palatable for everyone. And I get but, that. I say about my parents, both my parents have passed, but I say that they're both rolling in their urns um, because they're just like, <laughs> what, where did we go wrong? I mean, right. and I am no different than I was when I was young. I mean, I was, I've been baffling to them since the day, you know, I opened mm -hmm. my, I opened my mouth. So, I mean, yeah. there's, there's no real surprise there. And, and honestly, there is a little bit of freedom in that, in not having mm -hmm. that you know, of course, you know, I, I'm, I'm sad not to have them for my grant, for my children and stuff like that. And, but sure. there, there is a thing that, you know, there's a certain freedom in being able to truly be yourself without feeling that kind of oppression or, mm -hmm. um, or depression from them or disappointment or right. whatever the case may be. Yeah. 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 So then kind of around that time, as I was like, contemplating that reflecting that like who do I want to show up as do I want to be another vanilla mm -hmm. face in a sea of vanilla situations or do I want to put some sprinkles on my vanilla and allow people a space to be themselves and advocate for that and so that's kind of when I saw, started seeing your stuff and I follow Libs Elliot and yeah Libs oh I love Libs yeah yeah. And just, you know, some others that I'm not going to name drop everybody, but um, sure. that I'm like, if I want to follow these people and be in cahoots with these people and talk to these people as well, like I have to show up in my, my authenticity as well. And so anyway, it just really spoke to me. And I just think this life is too short to sit back and, and stay quiet. And, you know, if you feel passionately about something or you, you, want to live in your truth and like do it out loud and do it in, in an informed way and you know I think this platform can be a tricky spot where people just spout whatever they think without actually having facts to back themselves up and oh yeah social media is 
you know, it's got its foibles. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, sure. I said in a TikTok the other day, there was, it was like kind of all those things, you know, what don't you know about me kind of thing. And I said that, mm-hmm. you know, for as much trash as people give for social media, I actually adore social media from the fact that I would have never found all my people. I would never mm-hmm. have found people that I think about on the daily who are sitting in my phone, who, you know, that we have each other's text numbers. And because there's one thing to have somebody's, you know, to Instagram through the, talk to them or to what, but when you have somebody's actual phone number and you're texting back and forth, you know, um, yeah. just like, you know, oddball shit that you hear during the day or see or think about them or whatever, you know, and, and some of them are on the other side of the world that way. Right. I mean, I would not have those people in my life if it was not for social media. So, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. Are there horrible things about social media? Absolutely. There are. And it can mm-hmm. be, you know, it could be a seductive mistress um, and you have to learn how to, you know, and sometimes I'm really good and sometimes I'm not good. Like right now I have this rule that, cause um, my daughter is um, just learning to drive again. Um, mm-hmm. because anxiety it makes her, it makes her anxious. And, but she's like, she has a full-time job, my youngest, um, and she just graduated from college. And so she's back living at home until she has some money saved up. And so I take her to work in the morning. Mm -hmm. So my thing is that I don't touch my phone Mm -hmm. unless it is, um, because I'm a neonatal kitten rescuer, unless it's, uh, and they know to, to, to do twice. And, and there's like a pattern, you know, when they're trying yeah. to get home because I'm like, I do not look at the phone in the morning. Cause I I'm guilty. I will sit, I'll sit down with a piece of toast in one hand and my phone in the other. And then later, you know, my toast is, you know, stone cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have, you know, I, I, I have sunk into like, Ooh, that's cool. What a great project. Ooh, I need to make a note about that. Ooh, I need to you know, or inspiration or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. So I tried it. I try. Am I always great about it? No, no, I'm not always great about it. So I have to give myself, you know, kind of rails to ride within that way. Yeah. Because it'd be easy to do it. It's just like, it's easy to do this job all the time because it's mm-hmm. at home or it's, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, so you yeah. just have to make yourself some boundaries because otherwise it'll eat you up. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's, that is one thing I learned from, you know, I took from teaching is definitely like setting time boundaries for myself. And, mm-hmm. and it does help that the majority, like the physical part of the business is out of my parents' house. And so I'd have to actually come over here mm-hmm. all the time to, to do that side of things. But I do get caught up in Instagram and, you know, other socials to, and I'm like, I got to network. I got to get more people on the show. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then it's like, oh, I'm ignoring my husband. Oh, I'm not doing the dishes. Oh, I haven't eaten or like, just yeah. silly things because you get sucked in, like you said. And it's like, I think, I think humans are incredibly innovative and incredibly smart. And I think that we are still on the cusp, like still on the, in the like baby stages of what social media can and will be. And mm-hmm. so I think right now, even though it's been around for a while, I think it still takes time to work out all the craziness and the kinks and like, just like oh, with yeah. anything, you know, you got to try it before you know the limits of all of it. And and that's where you, then you can start to kind of boundary, boundary it in and decide how that interacts in your life. And sure. it, it's, I think it's a lot like, you know, should I be on that new platform? Should I, should I, you know, 
if I'm on Instagram, should I be on TikTok? Should I be on Facebook? Should I be on Twitter? Should I be on, you know, whatever the hell else is new that I don't know about yet because I'm 55 and I'm a little <laughs> slow to, you know, to, to you know, get there. Um, it's really hard because in fact, this morning, um, I am a podcast slash business book junkie. And um, this morning I was listening to um, about AI and about, you know, the chat bot and it writing, and they were talking about it, like writing recipes now. And that made me think it could probably write quilt program. It could write quilt patterns. It writes now it writes, but, but what do we suffer for the authenticity loss of that in our community? What, you know, in 10 years from now also doesn't mean that we won't have, you know, we won't have jobs. We won't have, right. you know, what are the, all of those things mean? And sometimes I can get way too up in my head about all of that. Mm -hmm. um, but it was really very interesting listening to how, um, because they're um, in right now, third generation AI in the chat bot, but fourth generation when this next part comes, because they're refeeding, because the data that AI is using right now comes from 2020 and above, mm. but from 2020 to 20 where we are now, that information is not within chatbot's ability right now, but that's just getting ready to be dropped into there. And that's totally mm -hmm. going to change this. It's going to change the landscape. And we think about, oh, why would it change quilting? But we are such a socially driven platform now, whether for mm -hmm. good or bad. I mean, because I mean, you know, the FOMO is real. The fear of missing out for a lot of people on, you know, the next, you know, block of the month or Tula Pink's new fabric collection mm -hmm. or whatever it is that really drives this industry. And it's because it's seen there on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a quilt shop owner, I used to own a quilt shop. I'm not sure if you knew that or not. I didn't know that. Okay. Did. Tell me more. <laughs> I, did. I did. I owned a quilt shop here in Chattanooga, Tennessee called Spool. Um, okay. Spool is first year out was the Better Homes and was chosen for Better Homes and Gardens magazine as top quilt shop, one of the top quilt wow. shops in the United States. Um, we made it even into the small box on the cover of the magazine. Wow. Um, it was an amazing shop. I mean, and I can say that quite honestly and like, and without any shame, anybody who was there, you know, people would stop and gasp when they walked in because it was just truly, truly beautiful. I've got very, very, very firm feelings about quilt shops and working. And I, and I used to, and I still do work with some quilt shop owners, but mm -hmm. um, you know, and we had it for three years and then um we um things were changing we had some family dynamics change we had a lot of stuff and it was just and i was also running badass culture society at the time which was also very busy and we were launching into doing an event and we were doing you know there was lots of things going on and um so we decided to close the brick and mortar and we did and um you know right now i mean do i miss it yes because it was beautiful. It was just, it was stunning. It was really good. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, looking where we are now in the world, um, wow, I don't know how I feel about, you know, that because quilt shops, you know, are falling left and right all over the place. And some people who are very big names who have quilt shops are bringing their quilt shops home and just going online only because yeah. that's where the profit margin is. I mean, mm -hmm. just having a roof over your head, you know, a building, and employees and stuff like that it's very 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 expensive mm -hmm. and um and I don't like I would very much like quilting to be more egalitarian and I think it can be but it's not egalitarian and accessible from most quilt shops because the cost of the fabric goods coming in and the cost to make a profit because it's not a hobby I mean and that's right. a problem that happens a lot of times quilt shop owners open up quilt shops because they love fabric 
I mean, you know, right. that's, that doesn't really in the, in the big scheme of things, um, you know, it, that doesn't really make sense because you really have to be, you have to be a very, very savvy business person, mm -hmm. um, to do that. And I was very lucky. Um, we did really, really financially well. And that's why people were like, I cannot believe you're closing this, but sometimes there are life reasons to change paths. And yep. that was fine. And we did not talk spirit, especially openly about it because it was a family matter and sure. it was just not, it wasn't anybody's business. Um, right. But, um, but I loved having a quilt shop, but, and having people come and from across the United States and being featured in magazines and stuff like that. It was super yeah. fun. It was good. It's a lot yeah. of work. I've never, yeah. I've never met a quilt shop owner who gets to quilt more when they have a shop. In fact, some of them, stop quilting altogether almost if they have a successful shop right because who's got the time for that <laughs> yeah I know it is it's, you're hiring somebody to quilt and make stuff and do stuff for the shop but your chance to sit home and, and play with some fabric is pretty rare yeah that's kind of the bummer side of like running a running a quilting business even small you know it's just me and my mom and even still it's like oh when do I have time to sew for myself and mm -hmm. You know, we're just busy enough, which is fantastic. I'm so grateful for it and I'm happy. It's just like, oh, right. I need to carve out time for myself. But yeah, it's like you think, oh, I'm going to just get to sit and sew all the time. And although I do, because it's we're making quilts for people, but, but it's, not it's not your quilt. It's not for me. I have to put that in a box and ship it across the United States or to Canada or wherever it's going. And absolutely. And, you know, it feels good that, that, we're helping people's quilty dreams come true but at the same time I'm like mm, I have a, a stack of projects piling up because I just am not getting to them but so I can only imagine that, that yeah. yeah that's why I actually have gone back to knitting um because that's something that's just totally for me and it mm -hmm. has you know because there is always this drive when you are in this world to monetize whatever the hell you're doing yeah. I mean, and, um, and then, I mean, and you can't pick up something without, or have a new product or look at something without going, oh, I really should share this with my people. So now I have right. to go and like clear a place on my desk and take artistic shots and write a, you know, a swell caption that's going <laughs> to, so that the metrics are good. So people want it. And then should I, you know, you're always just like, oh, I can't just have a thing anymore. Yeah, I can't just enjoy your new tool for you like yeah, yeah it's like oh I need to show everyone that I'm using this thing now it's like mm -hmm. and sometimes <sighs> you feel really because you, you want to share it because you're like oh my god this is really really cool I mean because like I got a really great um when I had my shop I got two um rotator cuff tears from oh gosh. well and because as you probably well know there's like long arming those repetitive movements and the stuff like that it's very tough on the body it is, mm -hmm. it is very, very, very hard on the body and cutting fabric all the time. So you, you know, you're, you're doing, you're doing this, you're doing this. Yep. And I was like, I had two terrible shoulder pains. I mean, but I hadn't fallen. I hadn't, you know, I wasn't doing anything athletic and I go and I see, and they do the MRI and whatever else. And he's like, you have two rotator cuff tears, cuff tears, <laughs> he said, but they're both different. He says, you have a blah, blah, blah for this side, a blah, blah, blah for that side. And I was like, I was like, and he said, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I was like, I'm a pole dancer. No, um, 
And I said, um, I cut fabric for a living. And he said, how? And I said, well, I have this, this wheel that's like a rolling razor blade. And I go like this. And he mm -hmm. said, oh, he said, this makes sense. He said, but what do you do with this arm then? Mm -hmm. I said, I flip bolts of fabric. Mm -hmm. Because when you're putting out the fabric, you're flip, flip, flip. Mm -hmm. And this, that rotation in the shoulder, especially when it's the bolts different. are heavy, especially when you've got a big new bolt and a bolt of fabric, you're really supporting all that weight in one arm. It's yeah. traveling up rotator cuff tear on both sides. Oh my so, gosh. I know. But so um, my friends at Fomora have a new rotary cutter that I really do love. And that's where mm -hmm. I've come with my personal thing is like, unless I'm going to stand up and side down and cheerlead something, I'm not going to talk about it because right. I do get stuff sent to me or, and I do get, or I do see cool things out there because, you know, I have wholesale abilities to get into stuff like that. So I see stuff and I'm not going to necessarily, you know, do that, but like their new, their new rotary blade um, has a ball bearing on the inside oh. and it makes it, it's sweet. It is really sweet. It is like effortless cutting you think your regular one is effortless but you know how like when you open up a rotary cut there's like a little spring in there mm -hmm. well that holds the pressure against the blade well which causes a certain amount of drag mm -hmm. I mean it's just the way it's designed well he he they they redid it and the first time I did it I was like oh wow and then it was really cool so I got to talk to them about it and the fact you know so like the other day I shared about it I mean I don't make a commission yeah. on it I don't do anything that way um and not that I wouldn't because there are times that I monetize those kind of things or I'm in yeah. Philly or whatever. And I, I go, absolutely. I disclose that. I'm like, I'm here shilling for these people, but only because I love it. And that's right. where you have to have the trust of your community um, so that they know that you're not going to, because there have been times where I've really loved a product. And then like four months into it, I'm like, there's a problem. And I'll come mm -hmm. back and say, I know I told you I really love this product and it, this, it's good for all these, but this is the problem I'm having right now. And then I'll go forward and I'll say, I'm addressing this with the company and they've been really great about it and we're going to resolve this. And this is something, you know, there's probably just a manufacturer defect in this one, or I'll talk about, they have not been responsive, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I really try to be as upfront about those things as possible Along with, you know, like when things just go terribly because they go terribly sure. sometimes in quilting. Go terrible. Oh, oh don't they? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, and because I think we, sh we show all the sweet stuff online. We show mm -hmm. the good stuff. We show quilt, you know, now like, my quilt points are never going to come together. I can honest to goodness promise you that my quilt points are never, this is why I'm an art quilter, not mm -hmm. a, what I call a geometric quilter. Um, because I really love that end of it. And I am just really bollocks at doing precision pointing. I can really do it, but I don't like it. It stresses me out. It doesn't make mm -hmm. me, it doesn't put me in my happy place. So, I mean, I think people don't know a lot about that is that they think quilting is just one thing. Right. If they try one thing. So like if the only thing you've ever been taught is, or somebody tried to teach you paper piecing and you hate it you know, maybe you like art quilting, or maybe you like whole cloth quilting, or maybe you like something else. Um, yeah. so, so you got to try all the things. Yeah. And see what yeah. And I think, yeah, there's so many skills that you can try that involve that are quilting, no matter, you know, like you were saying, paper piecing or traditional piecing or, you know, applique or just mm -hmm. the art aspect of it all is like, that's the one thing I do love is that there's like so many entry points into 
this craft and there's so many there's like low um what is it what am I trying to say low barrier to entry if you really want to get into it because I think you know it can be overwhelming with with all the tools and all the gadgets and all the things but it's like no go get yourself a hundred dollar machine and get some fabric you can practice with and just try different things until you find what you love that's what I love about children a lot of people do not love teaching children I love kids because they are just not afraid they don't have they're not bringing all the baggage to the party. What I say is like kids bring nothing. They they just bring their enthusiasm. Adults who haven't done something bring a full set of Samsonite. It is mm-hmm. all the baggage that they have ever had. Any any ugly thought somebody has dropped and left in their head, they bring it and they bring all that insecurity to mm-hmm. learning. Now there's some people who just dive in and they get it and that's all that you know. But so many people bring you know they bring that thing that that art teacher said that you're not artistic. They bring, right. you know, all those things with them. Whereas like kids are like, I'll push that button on that machine and see what it does, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're like, whereas other ones are like, I'm so scared. I've never even done that on my machine. You know, people who don't like, I, and she's just, and, she, and she, if she ever hears that, she'll, she'll recognize, she said she did not know her machine went in reverse for like five years. Oh. Because nobody okay. had ever mentioned it. And she'd never yeah. touched that button. And so she was like getting to the, she was, show, she was, I went over and she's a friend and she was like, I can't figure out how to fix this thing. And I said, okay, well, show me what you're doing. And she does. And then she takes and she rotates the whole thing around to go back in the other direction. To, and I was like, is your reverse button broken? And she went, oh, this machine doesn't have something like that. I said, she said, it's too inexpensive. And I went, see that little button with the U and the arrow? <laughs> she's like, that's what that does. And she was like, and she was like, oh, and I was like, how long have you had this machine? She was like, five years. <laughs> oh, that's. I just, I laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed, um, but um, and good naturedly because she was like, I can't believe I just never. She says I've been so intimidated by this machine, mm-hmm. um, and um, so there's just there's so much you know that we don't try sometimes that we yeah. just. Get, I always say it's just fabric. Mm-hmm. It's just fabric. If you do the worst thing possible to it, light it on fire in the backyard then. I mean, you know yeah. what? What's what's the what's the big deal? If you don't yeah. watch it up, light it on fire or compost it or keep going and then, you know, wrap something up in it. Whatever you're going to do, it's just fabric. Right. Yeah, and I think that's that is kind of, I mean, and I'm laughing cuz I relate. I used to be so scared of my machine not mine specifically I guess but just growing up because my mom again she just like you she would sew stuff for us she so close she would you know mom I need a new set of curtains she'd make us curtains and whatever and and you know she made my formal dress some of my formal dresses like through high school and stuff but anyway I was just so I had so much anxiety around breaking her machine that I just would never I would like maybe do like a tiny project where I knew I wasn't going to like mess anything up, but it took like being a teacher and teaching kids. Like if I was like, if I'm going to preach to these kids that they have to just try shit, like you just got to try it. Um, I should probably be willing to do the same thing. And yeah. And the more I've like, you know, gone to therapy and done all the, done a bunch of work on my anxiety, the less 
fear I'm holding on to and the easier it is for me to just like click buttons and try stuff like well if I can do something I can undo it so like why not just try everything that really is it I mean and that's I mean because like I I suffer from a lot of anxiety also and um but it's one of the things that this is not one of those places that it shows up for me oddly enough but like Mm -hmm. you know I taught myself to sew by reading the book and nobody was telling me I did it wrong but I you know honestly in fact I wrote a post about it years ago it's still up on the blog probably is like uh it's like it says um be you not the asswipe who kills somebody's sewing mojo and (laughs) Because you know what, there's so many people out there who are like, they say, oh, I had this horrible sewing teacher in high school and she just ruined and she just made me hate it. And we have sewing teachers now who do that to people. They just make Mm -hmm. them feel like such failures. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, do not be that person. I mean, there's nothing that can happen. I mean, quite frankly, short of like shoving the machine off the desk. Yeah, there's really no way to break it, break it. I mean, and my right. mother-in-law was very nervous. I gave, um, cause I love, so like right back in there, that's the six needle embroidery machine. And I've got oh, other okay. embroidery machines as well. Cause I used to be an embroidery designer. And so one of my early embroidery machines, I gave it to my mother-in-law and she was at first just terrified of it. And I told her, I mean, one day I told her, I said, unless you knock it off the yeah. desk, you're not going to break it. You might get a thread jam but that can be fixed. There's nothing that can't be fixed on this machine from the extent Mm -hmm. of what you're going to do to it. Right. I mean, she's going to open it up. (laughs) Yeah. She was, I mean, she wasn't. And I just, I, I hate the, I'm always so sad about the amount of people who somebody else is really, you know, throwing a bucket of water on their joy for sewing. Mm -hmm. And I hear so many of those people who like, and, and sometimes, I mean, yes, there are things that make a quilt easier to long arm. Yes. Knowing how to put your borders on so that they're, they're not like waving like a prom queen. I mean, yeah, you know, right. you know flapping in the breeze. I know, flapping <laughs> in the breeze. I mean, you know, and so back when I was long arming for people, I mean, I would say, I mean, and honestly, the reason I got a long arm is because I didn't really trust my own quilting to give it to somebody else because uh, I was nervous. So basically I spent $20,000 to not be nervous. <laughs> oh, I'm nervous. I can do it myself. And then, and I learned a lot about quilting in that time and where mm-hmm. you can cheat and where you can't cheat. Mm-hmm. Cause there's lots of things that you can cheat, but I'd be like, okay. And the nice part about like um, technology now was that I could send a video to somebody and say, cause I'd mount it up on the thing. I'd say, okay, so what we have here is we have a lot of fullness Mm-hmm. here and I said I'm going to guess that this is how you put your strips on your side of your quilt and basically there's probably three four five more inches of fabric actually than the length of the side of your quilt and so that's making it ripple I said we have a couple of different ways we can fix this based on your quilt we can either take a tuck in it so it's going to look like mm-hmm. a seam or mm-hmm. I'm going to send it back to you and you're going to unpick all of these uh, your borders off and you're in a, you know I'm going to show you you know what you can do we can do either yeah. one of those. It's okay. We're going to fix it mm-hmm. one way or another. Um, right. You know, of course, and every other, you know, hint and tip out there for, you know, getting fullness out, you know, you know using the starch, putting, um, have you ever done the thing where you put the soup cans on the quilt? Uh, I've not put soup cans, but I've used my hands to kind of. I have yeah, a friend soup, who talked years ago. Ta- yeah, you basically, you put soup cans on it and that holds, mm-hmm. you know, that that tension on it so that you can get some of that fullness out of there. Or, you know, I've been like, okay, you wanted this batting, but 
you've got a lot of fullness. I mean, I said, you know, you know how like bras come in A cup and B cup and D cup, you know? So when we look at this, you know, <laughs> you know but we could put another layer of batting under it and that'll take up some of the fullness. So, you know, that's going to mm -hmm. be an added cost. We're going to talk about that and stuff like that. But, and then right. people very rarely make that mistake again. And if they right. do, they know what they are. You know, I'm going to be like, you know, this is extra batting, it's extra time on my part. So it's going to be an extra charge. I can give it back to you and let you resolve those matters. You know, and I think only once out of all those times did somebody want to resolve it. They're like, nope, I'm done with that quilt. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm going to learn more going forward. Very few people want to go back and take off their borders. Yeah. They're like, I'll do it next time. This time you do it. <laughs> yeah. And this, you know, and I'm like, and you're going to charge for it too, you know, to, to yep. fix yep. because, you know, this isn't a kindness sport. And that's a really big other thing for me is that as women in the business, you know, we can't give away our talent. We can't nope. give it away for no money. And so everything has a cost mm -hmm. of doing it yeah. in that way. And so if I'm yeah. going to fix your mistake, I'm going to lovingly fix it after I've talked to you and I'm not going to shame you for it, but you are going to pay me. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? Like you, it's okay. This happens but also mm -hmm. my time is valuable. And because I'm having to stop this process to do this thing, it mm -hmm. costs money. Like, yeah. Because, yeah. and especially when you're, when you're doing a service, it's hard. It's hard to value your time. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard to figure out that out. But I think whatever you decide that is, as long as you stick to your guns and just say like, Hey, this, this is what I'm charging. And don't let people talk you into backing down or whatever feel like you owe somebody a discount like no no that's that, like that's the whole industry though that's really the that's mm -hmm. the deep end of the industry and that's really how badass was kind of you know came to into play was when a, a company that I was working for basically I'd already signed a contract with them to do promotion and do some stuff like that and then they're like hey we've seen some stuff on your blog that we don't like, and you're going to have to take those things down if you're going to keep working with my our company. And I was like, mm, no, no, that's not going to happen. I was like, you yeah. know, do not look ahead of time. I mean, did you not thoroughly vet this process? And they're like, oh, well, then we're going to enact our moralities clause. And because um, and I had things, I had, you know, I had stuff about reproductive rights. I had stuff about, mm -hmm. you know, sexuality. I had different stuff on my thing because I am a very strong social advocate. And, um, and I was like, okay, fine. I'm, I'm going to, you know, they're like, well, you know, if your lawyer calls us, we'll just, and I was like, no, I, I don't need to be part of your company if that's how your company is going to be. And that's okay. And that yeah. is one of the things that I have really given up taking this position taking this position yeah. as a vocal advocate in this thing, there are not a lot of quilt brands who want to align with me um, mm -hmm. because they are afraid of um, alienating other people, um, their other right. base. And that's their right. I mean, you know, I'm not going to mm -hmm. say, oh, you know, they're so bad. But what I will say is that when they come to me in private and say, we really love what you're doing, but we can, it's too dangerous for us it's too dangerous for our bottom line. We can't do this. That's, yeah. that's a little hard. That's a little hard to yeah. take. And it's, it's yeah. their right too, but, um, you know, um, it is what it is. And so that's why if I'm doing badass culture society, you know, it has to be member driven or it has mm -hmm. to be merchandise driven. Mm -hmm. There's only, you know, there's only two ways that that's going to happen. And that's really where some of the new merchandise and like the the new stickers and which really double down on what the community is. 
Yeah. Um, I so freaking love them. They're so fun. <laughs> I've been, I've, I've, I, in fact, I'm waiting. I, that's why I'm like, good. If the dogs start barking, it's the UPS man because we have more mm-hmm. stickers coming because, and like yesterday was, you know, yesterday was just Monday. So Sunday night, we launched the new stickers set late Sunday night and overnight Sunday night. Um, we, so Monday we, we sent out 500 stickers and sticker packs. And yeah. then we have like another 300 that have to go out by tomorrow morning. Um, <gasps> so that's so exciting. Yeah. Well, they're so, so stinking cute. And like, I just was like, I literally was like, okay, I'm going to buy something. Cause I just, I love all of it. And I'm like really wanting to put more stickers on my machine. Cause I, I still have my little like starter brother. It's not like their lowest machine, but it's like their hundred dollar model or whatever. If it shows the so. numbers. If right exactly numbers, it doesn't matter it doesn't really matter I mean because no. I've had I've had like everything from you know like literally a hundred dollar machines up to mm-hmm. you know twelve thousand dollar machines and right. you know and is there a difference absolutely there's a difference there's a difference sure. if it sews it sews and you know mm-hmm. I don't love the snobby culture I mean there are things that I really love about my Bernese because I do a lot of heirloom sewing and stuff like that mm-hmm. and so I get a lot more precision for stuff like that but I don't like I don't like the snobby culture part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's really hard. And something I would love to see change about the quilt world is that the problem is, is that when it comes to sewing machines and like sewing machine dealers is that there is almost no profit in selling machines that are under like $300. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm talking like $47 profit. It is yeah. so close to the line for those sewing machine dealers that it's very difficult. Now, I really believe that that's like bringing in a customer. If you really serve your customer well, then mm-hmm. hopefully for you as a business, they'll come and they'll buy their notions there. They'll buy, you know, they'll come take your classes and that they will step up to bigger machines over time. Right. Um, I think everybody deserves to have a machine because there really is a true difference between a machine you buy at a big box store and one you buy at the dealer. Even if you buy, what I tell people, is that either find a used machine mm-hmm. or get a lower end machine, the lowest end machine you can get at a dealer, because at least you're going to have somebody and it's made differently. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have somebody to stand behind you. Hopefully if you have a good dealer, now if the, the dealer is horrible while you're there, don't buy from them. Yeah. If they're like you don't have to take that treatment. No, absolutely. Yeah. If they're horrible, you know, don't do that and do go to a big, box store and buy one off or order it off of you know amazon or whatever because they don't deserve your business no exactly and i think uh-huh. the the way we're going to change the climate of the of the industry is by saying no you don't get to treat me this way and still get my business and i think for so long it's just like well i'm your only option so you have to shop with me it's like and Not thankfully anymore. for the internet and yeah and for the world wide web, we've got access to everywhere all the time. And hmm. so you can shop differently. And yeah, I was just looking for like something to get me started because I didn't want to invest in a hefty machine if I wasn't going to keep quilting or sewing. And so I just bought what I could. And hmm. yeah, the thing sews like a dream. I've had it for six years and it still works perfectly. Like I haven't yeah. really had to do any maintenance on it except clean it out every once in a while. And it's doing what you, you need know. it to do. I mean, exactly. And that's the important part. And then, and I really love that when I, when I was teaching a lot, um, you know, having like this, this wide variety of older machines or machines. Cause like, I still have mm-hmm. the original Bernina that my mom sewed my baby clothes on and that I learned to sew on. 
I still have that yeah. thing as a workhorse. It is like, mm -hmm. um, it's amazing if I have to get out and do some stuff and it's a very coveted machine now because it's all mechanics mm -hmm. on the inside weighs like a dead body. It is so heavy. Yeah. Um, My mom's is too. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's just a really, really good machine. And I, and mm -hmm. I can appreciate each machine for what, what it brings to the table. I mean, in yeah. any machine that brings somebody into sewing, I mean, I think the only time that that becomes hard is if people get a machine that has not been done, has not been cared for well or whatever. And mm -hmm. so it's like shredding thread all the time, or it's doing all these things. It's like, they, they tend to think it's them. And I'm like, oh no, mm -hmm. there's just something wrong with your machine. This yeah, is not, get it serviced. this is not, you know, and then, and that gets a little trickier too, because servicing a hundred dollar machine, when it costs 75 to $90 just to walk in and get a machine service now, it's like, yeah. people want to go find a new machine or borrow one. Yeah. Cause I tell people all the time is I said, get on your social media and shout out and say, Hey, I'd love to learn to sew. Does anybody have a machine I can borrow for a while? Cause there are mm -hmm. tons of people with like me who have extra machines sitting around. There are, there are moms and grandmas who have extra ones sitting in backs of closets. Mm -hmm. um, I always tell my friends who, especially if they have an active church community, just put spread it in the church community and somebody's going to put a machine in your hands. <laughs> yep. No, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. then good that way. Yeah. Yeah. We have, you know, that, that little brother is my personal machine, but we do have Bernina's for our business. And, um, it is, it's different. And my mom's Bernina 930 that she's had since, I don't know, before I was born, mm -hmm. same thing weighs like dead body, but it works like a charm and, you know, okay. it's, you can't beat it. Even like we have newer machines. We have an Artista 730 and then we have the 535 mm -hmm. and they're great. They work well, you know, they sew fantastically. And again, mm -hmm. that precision, you can really dial in, but yeah, it's like, mm -hmm. there's something to be said for something that just so straight. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and that's the reason really people get like things like, you know, like, um, like a Juki, like even like if you, if you really are, I mean, a, a, an only a quilter just an only quilter mm -hmm. don't even need zigzag I mean you know looking yeah. fast I mean I mean I have a friend who makes all of her stuff on a, a featherweight you know because mm. she's a quilter that you know and she just she's putting off stuff and then like a friend who's got like a juki who which is mm -hmm. wicked fast because we had two back when we had the shop we had two and I mean so fast so fast yeah. I mean it's crazy That's what I've heard <laughs> uh-huh it is it's, it's scary fast luckily it has a, an adjustable um so you can like even if you floor it you know you can adjust it that's one of the things I'd say when because people are all to me all the time like you know my kid my kid really wants to sew my kid's mm -hmm. seven my kid's 10 I said what should I look for on a machine I said there's a lot of things to look for but the first thing you want to look for is speed control on yep. that machine because if you can turn down the speed control even if they floor it they're not going to you know, so, and people are like, oh, they're going to, they're going to, you know, put a needle through their finger. I said, if that's the worst thing that ever happened to them though, that's mm -hmm. not so bad. I mean, yeah, it's right. I mean, and I've had kids who've done it. I've had a kid who, who sewed through their finger in a sewing at a, a class I was teaching and Ouch. yeah. And she went, uh, and I, I, spun, I spun around and her finger was down there and I was like, okay, I want you to start uh. breathing. And we're going to, I'm going to turn this wheel back around and we're going to do this mm -hmm. thing. And it did, it just, it went right through her finger. I do not know how she got her finger in there. She must've really, cause we'd talked a lot about it and you mm -hmm. know, there were tears 
And they were, but you know, and I was like, you know, do we, you know, we're going to call mom. We're going to tell her what happened. We're going to talk. And then, and she got, she said, but I don't want to leave. I want to finish my project. We're going to call mom. We're still going to tell mom about your finger and let mom have a chance to come up here and talk to you and stuff like that. And, but she finished her, she finished her project. Wow. She managed her up and she talked to mom and, and, and mom was like, and and I knew mom. So mom, you know, had Mm -hmm. the fair trust. She's like, you know, she said, you know, well, you had so many kids. Do you think I need to take, I was like, no, I said, but we do need to watch it. I mean, but the needle's clean and the thread is clean. And I Mm -hmm. said, but you know what you need to do at home. I am lucky. I have never, I have put one through my, my fingernail before when I have, sometimes I have long nails and I have, Mm -hmm. um, but I did that on the long arm. Um, And people are like, but I'm like, you know, these people are always like, oh, is that fabric that seemed too thick? I'm like, people, these machines can go through your finger and through your bone. I mean, yeah. you know, most of the time, you know, the reason it's going to break a needle on a heavy seam is because the, the needle is going to deflect. It's yes. going to try to take a path through there. It's going to try to find the least resistance. And so it's going to bang into the plate. It's not mm-hmm. the fabric. It's not those six layers of fabric that are the problem. No. It's needle deflection. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so don't think that, you know, your finger is going to magically stop that, you know, from, from happening. <laughs> no, I yeah. was, I was stitching something, I don't know, but it was at the quilt shop. I've been working at a quilt shop for a little while and I'm quitting that because too many things on my plate, but um, I was, oh, I was seaming a backing for a client quilt, a customer quilt. And so, you know, of course I'm using one of the Berninas and it had the, um, I don't even know what they're called, but yeah. like the, the attachment arm where, you know, you can push it with your knee and it, it the, will the raise knee the pressure. Yeah, the uh-huh. knee lift. Yeah. yeah. So the knee lift was on and I don't, it was just like a chaotic little timing where my knee bumped it while I was still sewing and pushing the fabric through. Raised it up. And it, it just pierced the skin on the side of my finger though. Like it went all the way through, but it didn't touch my fingernail. It didn't do any like hard damage. It was just like through the skin on my finger. And I was just like, I, I did. I went and I like got my finger out and I ran to the bathroom and they were like, when I came back out, they were like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I pierced my finger with the needle. They're like, what is, do you need to go? I'm like, no, it just went through the skin. Like I could literally stick an earring through it if I wanted to. And they were like, gross. I'm like, I mean, I'm not going to, but like that's what not happened. I'm <laughs> trying to explain to you what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, it didn't hurt or anything. It was just uh-huh. like shocking. And then it was gushing blood for a minute. But yeah, anyway, that's like the worst thing that's happened to me, knock on wood so far. And I'm just like, huh. Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've gotten to where I've been like, ooh, that was probably kind of close. I've done you know, I've done it when I, I was, you know, because you're like playing thread chicken, like you know. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. with a long arm or something like that. So I've been like, I've, and like I said, I, my nails were longer at that time and I, and I did go straight down through a fingernail and, wow. um, but it, that was enough to, whoo, but I use yeah. a lot of power tools because I'm mm-hmm. like, we have a, we have an old house and I'm remodeling it. In fact, right now, back behind me, I'm cutting a, pe- a template for fretwork. I'm building a fretwork piece and I'll oh. be carving it after I cut it. I'll be carving the fretwork. And so I wow. use a lot of power tools, um, big guns, mm-hmm. big, all kinds of stuff. So I'm very aware of the danger of those kind of things so I'm really mm-hmm. careful but it's never stopped me because like when my kids were little when they were three they start they all started sewing when they were about three yeah. and so um because honestly because it kept them near me and out of you know I put another machine there and let mm-hmm. them around on it um to keep them busy so that I could sew yeah, sew, yeah. you know 
when you've got that yeah. many kids around. It's like, <laughs> got to keep them occupied. I know. Yeah. Keep them occupied so that they're not doing something, you know, heinous that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they also, sure. now, they also, they can sew. Now they, they, my, my oldest daughter actively sews when she's in, when she's kind of in that kind of thing. And then, yeah. but they all can sew. All my sons can sew. Nice. It's such a good skill to have. It is a good skill. I always say, in fact, I've got a design I'm working on about sewing, uh, being my dystopian life skill. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm like, listen, yeah. if anything weird happens, I can make clothes. I can keep us warm. I've got yep. skills for that running and shooting stuff can't do that somebody else can do that while you're while you're sewing a tent while you're yeah, exactly a, I mean you know um because yeah. it really is I mean it's really funny because we, we talk about like all these other things that we should teach our kids but especially in a time where clothing is expensive to buy now um mm -hmm. we don't look that we're going to be going back into a less expensive time so you know a ripped out hem on pants you know when you're supposed to be going to you know a meeting or whatever mm -hmm. that's an issue and if you know how to fix that kind of stuff, you are so much further ahead than the person who has to, you know, buy something on credit or can't have what they need and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I really think it is just a very solid life skill for mm -hmm. girls and boys and they's and she's and everybody's um, so yeah. that, you know, that they have just this other skill in their pocket mm -hmm. to be able to do these things. Yeah, because it's like, you never know when you're going to be alone and need, you know, a button sewed on or your pants yeah. hemmed or, uh, you know, you ripped the crotch out. Like, okay, well, let's yeah. sew it back together for a minute, you know, until we can make a more permanent solution. But it, yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy that they're like removing home ec and like all these life skill things from, mm -hmm. from just the knowledge base that kids are, are getting in schools and, and yeah. I'm just grateful that I had that. Like I got home ec in junior high, but also I was homeschooled until ninth grade. And so I also like, was around uh, it all the time. Yeah. 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 So we, all of us were homeschooled for at least some duration. My, my youngest brother is the only one who stayed homeschooled. It was like a homeschool co-op thing, but he stayed yeah. homeschooled his whole K-12, but the rest of us went to public school. Uh, my, my brother who's closest to me in age, he's a year younger we went in ninth and eighth grade. And then my little sister, she started in ninth grade as well. But, um, how many of there are you? There's four of us. There's four. Got it. Yeah. I'm the oldest. Uh -huh. And then I've got the two brothers in the middle and then my baby sister, she just turned 22. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's our span. Yeah. Most of our kids, um, went, they either, they got up to like ninth or 10th grade and then they, a lot of them started college then. Um, and so they just went because we had an accelerated college program at our um, local university where um, younger kids could tr start there. And then some of them you know, did that for a little bit and then went off into their careers. And then some of them went, you know, and like my youngest just graduated this past spring and um, from college with her degree. And so they all just kind of took different paths that way. But, you know, and, and like I said, you know, none of them would be afraid to sit down at a machine. Would they do it for their own, you know? joy at this point i mean maybe not but they definitely right. know that they can fix something at this mm -hmm. point they don't have any intimidation about doing that yeah. so I, I figure i've done my job if they're not intimidated by it yeah i mean my oldest actually told me that when he left because he he basically uh, he hit the road running when he was 18 my oldest was like i've moved 
I was like, yeah, no, I didn't think you were putting your underwear in the back of your car because you wanted to. He'd been sneaking stuff out into the back of his car for a week. He thought oh. we didn't know. And um, and he moved, he moved to be with his girlfriend. Mm. And that went the way it usually happens when you're 18. Um, sure. But he um, worked on a uh, high power line construction crew. They built the oh. high power towers and stuff like that. And they, the guys would very often, they'd wear like those Carhartt jumpers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Very, very expensive. Those things are terribly expensive, but they yeah. rip a lot because they'd oh. be up on things like that. And so um, he would repair them for them and he charged oh. them. That's how he Good. made extra money. <laughs> Good for him. I was He's like, like yeah, so but be so yeah. proud of you. <laughs> no, I love that, and it's like, yeah, why not? Especially, yeah, stuff like that—that's so expensive. It's like, why go buy a brand new one when someone you know yeah. can fix it for you? Or, you know, if you're willing to learn a, something in a couple minutes, like it really isn't that hard to learn how to repair something quickly. And no, it's it. not really hard. And the thing that I often say is that. If five-year-olds in foreign countries can do it for yeah. a living all day long against their will, you damn well can put on a button. Yeah, It's not, I'm like, you have a yeah. PhD, you can put on a button. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, and although I say that, but I'm like, cause I'm a big thrift store person. I love thrift stores, but, mm-hmm. and I love finding like really amazing clothes there. And usually it's because like, you know, I found a $500 coat. It was missing a button. It was just missing a button. You're like, okay. And I'm like, <laughs> Please, thank you very much. Five ninety nine, five ninety nine. It's missing a button. Okay, that's why somebody did it. They they probably. Yeah. I mean, there could be another reason, but I often find like I find like jackets, like ski jackets with broken zippers. Yeah, I'm like, dude, that's just an out of line tooth. Let's just fix that. And it, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. So I, mean, I, I like that, and I like the empowering aspect of it. I mean, because that's really at the heart of what badass culture society is is really empowering people to be able to sit within themselves and broadcast that in the way that they're most comfortable with with others because I kind of think of like having a badass culture bag or the sticker on your car or whatever as you kind of you know your your quiet signal to the world um it was really great like quilt shows and stuff like that because then people find each other yeah like, oh, I see that. Like, uh, <laughs> and they do. That's exactly what they do is like, oh my gosh, you know, and, and yeah. even more fun for me is people s- take pictures of people at quilt store, at quilt stores, at shows and stuff like that with the bags, with the swag, with the t-shirts, with the different stuff like yeah. that, send it to me. And they're like, I found another badass quilter, you yeah. know? So that's really fun because at the heart, you know, it's, it's about building a community and that the community mm-hmm. is, is something that I think we, we, we tend to lack um that's a little bit harder to put together especially like those of us who live I live in the deep south and mm-hmm. so um living in the deep south right now and being politically liberal is is challenging but I have this amazing community of people who we've all found each other that way yeah. I mean my next yeah. hope would really be is to be able to put together badass culture like meetups for people um, yeah. because a lot of people do not feel comfortable in their local guilds mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, and I, and I've heard so many stories of people that are like, even right down to even guilds that don't mean to be putting people off and away from them. Like the truth of the matter is that if, if you, you meet at a church, mm-hmm. a lot of times that is very alienating and triggering for people. Yep. They just, they don't feel safe going there. 
as whoever they are, whether they are trans or non-binary or they just have religious trauma or whatever. So, yeah. and of course, a lot of times we pick churches because they'll give you a free spot. Right. But the truth of the matter is, is that that church is giving you a free spot because they want you to, they want people to become comfortable with their church and join their church. Mm-hmm. Um, because the statistics are really very clear is that if you go to a church building, you begin to feel more comfortable and then you feel more comfortable about joining that church. Um, and so it's, it's not necessarily out of the goodness of their heart that they're giving you space, but it's free space. And a lot of times as quilt guilds and different stuff like that, we end up, you know, tricking out for, for free space. Mm-hmm. And when we don't make that, we, when we don't make our meeting spaces, um, accessible for people, or we don't make them even like accessible for people who have disabilities, mm-hmm. you know, and different stuff like that. When we don't really spend our time thinking about those things, um, yeah. we hold people back from joining yeah. us that way. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think I, it's like, I've heard it from different different multiple different people they're like I don't have a guild to join because I'm not going to go to a church I don't want to be around old judgy white ladies who are basically just like this is what I would find in church and Mm -hmm. that's essentially what so many guilds are and they're they're scared to branch out because they don't want to push members away but I also think there has to be like there has to be a shift because there's we're excluding too many people to make it seem like that's the only way that things can they have to stay this way or we're going to lose all these people it's like well we're going to lose them all anyway because they're older and they're they're going to die they're going to die why can't we start making the community and our spaces safe for the upcoming quilters for the people who want to be in this community why can't we make it a safe space for everyone and it's a it's a big it's a big issue and there are definitely even in I mean unless you're talking like a super super duper conservative you know created for that purpose quilt group you're going to have people in it who are you know all parts of diversity but most of mm-hmm. them are probably keeping their mouth shut not to rock the boat because right. and, and I have people who absolutely tell me that it's like I just keep that part to myself and basically you know um swill you know um listerine when I get home because you know all the things that I heard because I want to you know I just for myself I can't do that I can't I can't do that and um I can't hang out with somebody who thinks you know my child is an abomination um I'm not I'm not going to sanction that behavior and so I have to build something else now the building something else is difficult because when you when you sanction something under your name you become legally liable. Mm-hmm. And so that is why up till now, we haven't done it. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't made, you know, badass quilter, you know, guilds. First place, because it becomes more out of my control right? as things happen. And then, you know, I'm like, man, am I signing up for the world's biggest headache? Right. I mean, you know, I think modern quilt guild has gotten, you know, that on top, but they went through some very, very painful stages where they had to really rein people in and groups in. And that's why groups splintered off and left because yeah. it started as this kind of like, sure, everybody meet if you want to meet and it's all good. And then they were informed that there was legal liability to that of people mm-hmm. meeting under their name. So I haven't been able to resolve that issue yet. Yeah. Um, so, and of course, any lawyer you talk to is like, oh no, because that's their job is to point out all the horrible things that could happen to you. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, like they could take your house and your cat. I mean, you know, yeah. you're like, like, no, not the cat. Not the cat. 
I know. Um, so I, I haven't been able to resolve that, but I would love and would love to encourage people to start their own little pods, start mm -hmm. their own little meetups. And basically all it, you know, it can be at your, at your local bar. I mean, you know, right. you do, do a social night where it's just people getting to meet up. And then after that, once you find, you know, you find your like-minded folks and then yeah. you pool the time to find someplace that is open and, um, and safe and, you know, start putting out there who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, because that really becomes very self-selecting, yeah. you know, if you say, you know, we, we are a diversity positive group and in your logo, you slap on a trans flag and a rainbow flag, yeah. most likely conservative folk are not going to show up for it. Right. So, exactly. um, you know, if you say who you are, um, then it's going to become a self, you know, perpetuating and it's going to get out to the people who need it. So I would love to see more people stepping up that way. I mean, cause for as much as I would love to do this, I just not mm -hmm. have not legally wrangled the way to do it without, um, you know, risking my family's well-being that right. way. No. And I think there has to be some, you know, a lot of consideration for that too, because there are so many legal things that come with being an official guild and mm -hmm. an official nonprofit or not-for-profit and yep all these things especially a guild like we just went through a really tricky situation or I say we the guild I'm in um because they had to rewrite the bylaws mm -hmm. because they were rewriting them every year it was just like this crazy oh. process that absolutely did not need to happen and was actually illegal and so they worked with a lawyer to get everything above board and legal and corrected and it caused this huge uproar with some of the older members and some left because they were like I don't it's like yeah okay but we're protecting everybody by doing this and we're protecting you and we're protecting everybody else who was involved in this past behavior and these past ways of doing things like how can you not see that this just benefits everybody in the long run mm -hmm. but then it's like oh they're just mad because they no longer get to throw their weight around and have it mean anything and and then so I think so much of that. I mean, I mean, even yeah. if you even if you run a Girl Scout troop, I mean, there yeah. are a lot, there's a lot of stuff in the background, mm -hmm. and so it becomes really. So that's why I really like the concept of like a meetup, because yeah. a meetup doesn't have the same, you know, because and you don't have like a, an official check, you don't have a checkbook of the group, you don't have, you know, right. and so because what you're really looking for in the end is you're looking for community. Yep. Looking, you're not really looking for that structure. That structure has to happen at certain points when you want to gain a certain amount of legitimacy or like I said, have a bank account or do something like that. Um, mm -hmm. Sponsor a quilt show because there's lots of very large guilds that sponsor really large, beautiful quilt shows. But mm -hmm. um, if you if, if that entanglement is not what you're looking for, you're really looking for a meetup. You're looking to find your people and then saying, hey, you know, every third Thursday, we're going to hit up this, you know, place and, and do our social time. Because even if you're not necessarily quilting together at that time, mm -hmm. you're building that community so that you know that you are not alone. Yep, exactly. And I think that makes a lot of difference mm -hmm. for people. Right. It can be life-saving sometimes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think too, sometimes like <clears throat> with like small groups, cause you know, guilds have small groups within them sometimes and, 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 and the guild I'm in does, which is cool. So, you know, potentially there could be a small group created that 
could be more inclusive or more friendly to all everyone but again legal ramifications just in case but i think if you do a meetup it's less less like what am i trying to say like there's less pressure to like stick around for a certain amount of time or or be so, super committed whereas if you're like okay i'm gonna come bring all my stuff and so yeah that that feels heavy sometimes versus just meeting up with some people and making sure they are your people before then it's like, okay, let's have a crafting day. And mm -hmm. then at that point, you know, like bigger things can happen from that. But I, yeah, I love that concept of just like being able to find your people and, and, you know, a badass culture society, if you can connect with people who are in your neck of the woods, because you are in the same group in that sense, like then that just and that's kind of what I want to try to facilitate is in some way is is finding, you know, making some sort of friendship database or something like mm -hmm. that. And again, that's got a lot of ramification. Everything is really hard. Um, yeah. Everything, like you think of it like this, oh, it's a cute little idea. And then because um, and then you're like, oh, you know, well, then you have to protect people's names and their, you know, their stuff like that. And then you have to have two people who are also, you know, compliant with talking to each other and because you're not giving away, you know, stuff like that. But I want right. to have some way of people finding each other, you know, um, because, you know, you never know if the person at the other side of your neighborhood is also like this, this quilter or this, right. this person that you would really like to hang out with or know or just, you know, have a friendly you know, whatever mm -hmm. with, um, cause, and, and sometimes, and that's actually the coolest thing that people tell me about, like having their baddest culture gear on, if they're at their local quilt store or whatever, they say, you know, sometimes they can get some serious side eye, but they also find friends. Yeah. Because otherwise yeah. you don't know, because it's those outward identifiers. I mean, mm -hmm. so I have on my, I drive a Ford F-150 truck because I'm doing so much remodeling on the house i'm always bringing home drywall and lumber and yeah, yeah. Stuff like that so um no tiny car for me right now even though i'm past my years i mean i used to drive a big suburban because i had all the kids and stuff like yeah, that right now i still drive something big because i have to bring home mulch but <laughs> yeah. on it um i have um uh the badass culture medallion and some other stuff like that and i've more than once had somebody leave a note on my windshield and tell me how cool it was and Ooh. um look up you know and, and found out and they're like and because of course you have your phone on you and they're like i looked it up and you're a real thing you know yeah and, um so that's really cool because like and i really i think about like people having because like that's that's the new um that's the um the fierce uh unicorn so we've got our friendly unicorn and we have a fierce unicorn i because, love it like because the thing is because like on these these three are the new logo stickers so we have we have the one with the oh. um so this is what the rainbows and it says reproductive rights are human rights, black lives matter, science is real, love is love. And mm -hmm. so we have that one. And then we have the really kill, we have the one with the skull and the snake yeah. and the crossed um, I love it. And stuff like that. So, so cool. But because we're not just one style of person within Baddest Culture mm -hmm. Society, um, we had like people with different like design aesthetics. You know, right. we, we have the people who are like, who are like really the fierce unicorn and we have people who are like the super friendly, cheerful unicorn and yeah. who are like really into like the snakes and the goth and the stuff like that. And then people who are really attracted to being with us because, you know, we talk about these values a lot. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it's really nice to be able to um, make this thing because previously, like when you, when you, like I said, I, I do a lot of business podcasts and stuff like that. They're like, 
you know, your logo has to stay the same. Your thing has to stay the same, you know, but you know, our words stay the same, badass culture society, but right. because we don't gather because we're all, you know, paper piecers or we're all, you know, um, you know, one style of quilting per se, we're all those styles. We're all those right. styles, we're all those things. And we mm-hmm. come together for, because of this other bigger calling in our lives. Right. Um, so that's the fun. That's been really fun because that was like, and I didn't know if it was going to be good, you know, doing, cause every business thing says, don't do that. And right. I, like, yeah. I kept being attracted to the idea that there are like different people who'd like to, and because we've always had like the circle that just says badass culture society. And there's nothing to offend anybody in there, except somebody will always found. I have had people in my old car who scratched through my, yeah. And I've had other Hurt. people, I mean, I've had people send it to me. I'm like, I'm going to send you a new one. They're like, hell yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, it has, it has, it has happened before. And some people worry about that. Um, in fact, yeah. at one point, that's why we had one that just said BAQS on it mm. because nobody would know, but they knew. And people who know it's kind of like the secret sign, you know, right. Um, so, Cause you know, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, but it didn't really identify people. So, but I found way more good than bad. Yeah, for sure. And that's a, that's a risk that I'm personally willing to take. And, um, yeah. And it's the same thing why I'm willing to open up my email in the morning. And because sometimes mm-hmm. there is email that's not very nice. Yeah. Um, and and that's okay. I mean, it's not my favorite by any stretch of the imagination. And sometimes I'll put it up and make fun of it. Um, so <laughs> if you took the time to write me a bunch of hate, I'm going to use you for social media capital. Um, yeah. Like, thank you. <laughs> I know. I was like, yeah. I mean, you know. Um, and then a lot of times I just hit, you know, trash crash mm-hmm. and you know sometimes we get a lot it depends if I've written an article it depends mm-hmm. on what I've said and mm-hmm. um whether it's gotten um like on the wrong side of TikTok or whatever sure um, but I, I'm willing to do that because there are so many people who are like I didn't know this existed yeah and so I'm like okay for every person who says I did not know this existed I've been doing this by myself I'm lonely mm-hmm. I found my people and then I'm yeah. like okay I can take another hate email Mm -hmm. right it's like it's it's worth it in the sense that you're you're then you know you're you're taking that out of the world so that someone can have a sense of safety somewhere Mm -hmm. and that's that's worth it to me and um so is it heavy sometimes yeah it's really heavy sometimes and um previously I mean I've gotten some really some like hateful hateful dangerous comments Mm -hmm. um but quite frankly, more than anything, what I get like on Instagram is dick pics from dudes. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Boys like, are so. I was like, lucky. when I say, you know, I, I'm like, as individually, there are many men I love as a species. I am not especially fond of them. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm like, and you know, that was that whole thing. It's like, <clears throat> not all men but enough of you that enough yeah. of you <laughs> anymore I mean I I take um like I'll like take screenshots and I'm just like here you go you know uh, and I like there's like that woman I love that she basically goes now and she goes and she she finds their profile and then if they're real people because a lot of times they're like, kind of like bots or just you know yeah. dudes in their mother's basements I mean I'm right. like dude, find something better to do with your time get a hobby try knitting yeah. 
I mean, you know, yeah. something. I'll teach you how to sew. <laughs> I know. I was like, there's gotta be something here for you. But she goes and she like, when it's like guys who are just out there who are being really bad, she goes back through their profile and she finds their parents and their family oh. and she sends screenshots of all the horrible things that they've said and sends it to their mothers and their, and their <gasps> employers. Stuff like that. I love her. I follow her. I can't remember her name all of a sudden, but I just oh, love she, she says, this is my new hobby. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Well, and I think, yep. Yeah. Well, and that's like, we were kind of talking about the, the pros and cons of social media. And I think that one of the cons is that like people are, get real brave, but I also think it's a pro because it's really showing like people are showing their true colors right when they do things like that you're like oh I see who you are on the inside now yeah or if they're like um your show is probably you're not my demographic I'm not your demographic but here's all the things I don't like about your show and I'm like then don't fucking listen like, it's like why are you listening well that's that's what my husband always says when he says they said when like I can't believe you said that and my husband says like have you met her have yeah. you met my wife I mean you know and that was like one of the things when I had the really big because I I closed down my Facebook page a couple of years mm -hmm. ago and I had 30,000 members on it oh, and wow. I closed it down because as much as I kept trying to clarify the message again and again and again people kept having how dare you you know especially because it was a very hot time I mean mm -hmm. because you know Trump had become president and it was just like a very emboldened time and but it was like why did you join this page? Why did yeah. you join? I mean, there are a million other things. There are a million other quilting pages out there. Some mm -hmm. of them very boldly dedicated to, you know, things that the, this other person believed in. They're like, how dare you? I'm like, have you been not been paying attention? Have yeah. Like, not, where have there you been? Is 10 years of content back on my blog. Mm -hmm. which, which things did you, I mean, and sometimes I think it's somebody because they came in because like I was doing a huge giveaway. Mm. or something like that and that's the only reason yeah. they ended up staying there but I mean what I since I've come back and reopened that's why I've been somebody's like man you are beating this drum I was like I am beating this drum and I'm yeah. unabashedly beating this drum because I don't want people who don't need to be here and don't want to be here here yeah. so I mean I think of it as is kind of like chlorining my pool on the regular basis right um, because you know but why would you want to be there if it wasn't your thing. Right. And I, I don't right. necessarily understand. I mean, because some people just love the drama. They love the mm -hmm. drama of being mad at somebody or something like that. But there's so mm -hmm. much other stuff for everybody out there. So right. I'm just making, I'm just curating this thing that's very tightly curated yeah. for people. These And so that's why I put it on so much stuff. So yeah. that there is no question. Right. There's no doubt. There can be no room for there is no room what for you're error. about. Yes. Yeah. And that's okay. And I mean, and, um, and, and somebody said, well, it overshadows. I said, you know what, for each person that it overshadows for another person, it saves them. Mm -hmm. It's a ray of sunshine for somebody in their darkest corner. Yeah, it is. And, and when they send me their pictures and when they're drinking with their mug in the morning and mm -hmm. that stuff like that, I'm just like, yes. It makes yeah. me so happy because they are so happy because they're yeah. like, I'm part of a place now because what we all want in the end is we want connection with people who love us mm -hmm. and understand us. Mm -hmm. And we all deserve that. So if I'm going to have to stand there and, and shout it on a street corner, well, I guess I'm going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully I can continue to make it as a business because I can't, I, 
you know, it's not a social action thing. Mm -hmm. And so it has, it has to pay the bills. I mean, yes, you love long arming, but if people were not paying you, that's a whole different story. Exactly. You know, you're still going to long arm for yourself. Sure. But, you know, there's a certain point where you have to decide, you know, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a social, you know, a social advocacy in that, that it has to pay the bills also. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think yeah. a lot of times as women, we are expected to do things for free because they're good for the world. Mm-hmm. But, um, and there is obviously a lot that I do. I mean, you know, I don't get up every two hours all night long taking care of neonatal kittens because somebody's paying me. That, that yeah. is, that is my giving back to the world. Um, sure. But this has, this has a different calling. Right. And I can't back away from that or be ashamed of it because mm-hmm. then I cannot authentically say, yes, I'm charging $5 for that sticker because it does all these things. Right. You know, buy it or don't buy it. I don't really care in the end, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to feel bad about it. Yeah. And just like you don't feel bad about charging your worth for quilting a quilt. Right. Um, right. And it's, it's, it's just that. because you're a woman, you know, you're like, eh, no. Yeah. <laughs> My it's mechanic like has never once gotten, you know, has never been like, you know, you know, this carburetor, it just gave me such joy to put in. I'm going to give you a discount. <laughs> never, never. My mechanic said that. And I'm no. never going to say that because I enjoyed, you know, because you enjoy like, because this was a visual feast of a quilt and you really, you know, you loved it. You loved working on it, but it doesn't mean just because you love something does not mean you're not for doing the work on it yep. so you know my, my thing is is that if a man would charge for it I'm going to charge for it too mm-hmm. yeah so, so that it, so that the next generation of women after me can go oh that's my worth mm-hmm. yeah. in fact it was really funny my oldest daughter um I put up a thing today from being at the post office because it was oh yeah I saw it <laughs> I was, I was like, preach it, sister. I was, a, I was at the post office, but my daughter, my oldest daughter, who um, she's 32, mm-hmm. and um, she put up a stuff, even if you did add extra postage, mom, is what she said is that that's because you pack everything by hand, you drive it to the post office. That is the shipping and handling on the thing. And right. your time is worth that. Your time is, right. you know, um, and so I love the fact that that my children have embodied this message. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I want for this next generation of everybody's really yeah. Um, yeah. to have that power to say that. Yeah. I don't know if you know of um, Vivian Kay. Mm. She does a lot of small business talks and she's an entrepreneur, but anyway, her, her, um, she like trademarked it. Everything is like, what would Chad do? And it's huh. basically like, like if, like go into things with the with the audacity of a mediocre white man because they usually have the audacity to go into places where they don't belong or don't have the qualifications to be and nine times out of ten women are overqualified to be asking for the raise or the promotion or whatever they're asking for and they get shot down over a chad and so her whole thing is what would chad do and if if this is what would chad do then you you fucking do it because you're a badass bitch and you can (laughs) yeah well this one because i've got a sticker that's holding that that is basically a mediocre white man sticker it's uh (laughs) i have not got the graphic right for it because i i like i labor over my graphics and um I haven't gotten it because posi- I like I like moved the words around and I'm like yeah. you know, 
okay. And so it just, it sits off in the corner of my desk and I pull it back down into thing and I look at it again and I'm like, um, because, um, because I love that because, you know, you know, have the chutzpah of a, a you know, a mediocre white man and just make that quilt. I mean, because yeah. it's, they dive in and that's okay because right. that is, that is, that's what we've conditioned them for. And so the change there is also as parents is, you know, from is, is to, is to raise children who are different and who see things differently. But I mean, I hope we're, I hope we're, we're emboldening a next generation and, and yeah. you only do that by not staying neutral on that side of injustice. Yep. So no, for sure. And the more we talk about here. it. Yeah. Good. <laughs> it's like the more we talk about it, the more we bring it about, the more we, you know, broach these uncomfortable mental health topics or, you know, the, the easier is for people one to feel seen and heard, which is like, I think such a battle for a lot of this is people just don't feel heard. And so then they get louder and louder and louder, or they hide because they're scared of the loud ones who, Mm -hmm. who think that their opinion is more important than anything else. And so I think those of us who are advocating for the ones who are scared and hiding, the easier it's going to be for, for them to find ground and, you know, a grounding space to be themselves. And, and I'm here for that's it. That's so what I want. That's what I want. I want to be, you know, if I have to be the lightning rod, I'll be it, you know? And, um, and so that's because, because I have that ability. Is there going to be a day when I, maybe I don't have that ability? Yeah, probably. And there are times that I don't have that ability and I have to kind of take, you know, some time and, you know, kind of recalibrate my thoughts and, you know, get with my, get with my home girls and my home guys and, you know, and, um, and, and find that equilibrium, you know, equilibrium. Um, but yeah, but it's good stuff. And I want to, I want to see a a quilting and sewing world that, that is openly welcoming to everyone so that they Mm -hmm. can embrace their creative side. Cause I think that just filters off into everything else. Yep. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, cool. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've Absolutely. Really, this has been so enlightening. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed it so much. I love seeing, you know, I love seeing the industry change and, um, and standing up in a place that, um, you know, makes, um, makes it a comfortable place for other people to be. Thank you for what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Excellent. All right. Well, where can, where can people find you online before we Gosh, um, so of course you can always find me at badassquilterssociety.com. There are two S's that unfortunately butt up against each other in the middle of that. Um, so that's easy to find. If it, Honestly, if you Google badass quilter, it shows up. But uh, the badass quilter on Instagram and the badass quilter over on TikTok also. Um, we do have a Facebook page, but honestly, right now, it's very hard to grow on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. it is, it is not the place that it once was. Um, so while we do have one over there, when I restarted the page, it did not allow me to, um, it wouldn't let, allow me. So I had to kind of like jigger, uh, um, the names together to make it think it's mm-hmm. all one word. Right. Uh, because it wouldn't let me use the word badass anymore, oh, even though for 10 years I'd had a page, Yeah. but, but it was under their profanity thing metric anyway, but we're over there, but oh, the okay. easiest way is, is, is on the website or um, which leads over to the store as well. The, on the website, you can get over to the store where all the stickers are, where all the t-shirts are, that kind of stuff. And then from there. 
Okay, awesome. Well, yeah, I'll put all those in the show notes so people can just do a one click and get to you. And awesome. Yeah, thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you. 